When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. Good Friday tomorrow, but of course we're working. 6 o'clock face-off show, 8.30 puck drop. It is a late one at Rogers Place. Oilers and Sharks game two. Sharks taking game one, in case you haven't heard. 3-2 in overtime. I wonder if there's somebody who like, actually hasn't heard. That like just heard that. Oh, wow, I didn't realize the Sharks won. <laughs> Sean Bell, former Oilers defenseman, now assistant coach with the Nate Dukes, is in studio. Sean, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. Here, let's just move this mic right in front of you. I know you're not going to be able to see me as well, which isn't a bad thing. It's <laughs> <laughs> a reason I got a job in radio. My TV career went the up old in flames. face for radio. <laughs> yeah. Global TV had me in studio this morning. I'm like, do you really want that? <laughs> That's funny. Uh, Sean, we're going to hit on a few things. But first, we were just talking during the break. Uh, Victor Arvidsson has the goal. For Nashville, they're up one nothing in Chicago. Second period just starting. You you had a history with with Arvidsson, who I think's been really good this year. Oh, he's a fantastic young player. I played against him uh, when I was playing in Sweden for that one year. He was playing in Ferris Dad. Uh, he was playing on a team called Schleftio, and you know he was a catalyst for their offense, and they they ran away with the league. I, we played them in the finals, and they swept us. And uh, you know you want to talk about playoff disappointment? They outscored us in that sweep, a whopping at twenty two to three. Four games? Four games. My goodness. Yeah. So was, you were shut out at least once. I was, I was only minus one, so I was okay. <laughs> so they had a, they could do it at both ends of the ice then. Did you guys Absolutely. ever have the puck or did it just feel like it, you never did? Yeah, it felt like we never had the puck. They came with so much speed up the middle and, you know, with the ice being wider out there, it, uh, it was hard to defend. What did you, uh, I'll ask you this, what did you like most about playing in Sweden and maybe what was most frustrating about the hockey, if anything? Well, I mean... It, it, it was. It's a different lifestyle out there. You know, it's, you don't get to really see your family that much. You're, you know, it's dark by three o'clock. Uh, well, you were pretty far north. Yeah, eh? it was pretty far north. Um, but you know, it's it's a beautiful, beautiful countryside. People are very nice. The hockey's very good, and they're very passionate about their hockey. You know, the biggest thing that I recognized as soon as I left is that when I came to the Oiler games, I was like, "Where are all the fans that are singing and chanting?" And, you know, they hit, they're so passionate, they don't sit down. You know, they've got the drums out, they got the flags, they actually have designated guys that are standing there, and they're choreographing all the songs. So it's, it's pretty different. That's pretty cool. I mean, it was great last night at Rogers Place, and certainly, I mean, I was saying earlier, the Let's Go Oilers chant, I heard the first one five minutes before the warm-up. Uh, but you're saying actually the like the organized songs is different than what we have here. Yeah, absolutely. Like they have different. I think four or five different songs that they <laughs> they go through throughout oh, the geez. entire game, and they constantly sing. Especially if you're up, it's uh, you know it's a party in the in the building. Uh, uh, like 
18,000 fans, 20,000, 10? How big were the um, ranks? In Sweden, you're looking roughly about 7,000. Okay. Um, so they're a little bit smaller, but they're all 7,000. You know, okay. when I played in Germany, some of them were 14,000, some were 18,000, and then there was the odd one that had 2,000 fans. Oh, wow. So, like, big discrepancy there, but in Sweden, it was, you know, pretty standard across the board with 7,000. What, was the physicality different in Sweden? Because I've talked to some guys who, but they would have played there before you, saying it was it was quite different. What did you find? Oh, it's very different. You yeah. can't hit anybody out there. If you get, uh, you know, if you hit someone too hard, well, see you later. And they definitely target guys that are North, North America and bigger players. It's that's just what they do. But it's uh, they really make you work work on your skill. Yeah. Yeah. So was is uh no was there like was a hard body check? What well, would you get a roughing penalty? A you could get suspended. Uh, really? Yeah, I had I had a kid actually uh, against Brinus. Uh, hit him in the corner, and he was smaller than me, and he went down, and I actually ended up getting suspended for one game. Um, you know, it wasn't a hit to the head; it was just a normal body contact, and he went down, got hurt, and well, you get suspended. Wow. Sean Bell joining us in studio tonight on Inside Sports, former NHL defenseman, talking about his time in Europe. He's now an assistant coach with the uh, Nate Ukes, and we'll talk about that as we go along tonight. Obviously, uh, you're an Edmontonian. You had a you were briefly uh, an Edmonton Oiler, but, uh, I mean, you're back. You've, been, you've remained an Edmontonian now that your uh, playing career is done. Did you watch the game last night? <laughs> I did watch the game last night. <laughs> so, I mean, it was tough, right? Because they, 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 they come out flying, looks good. You knew San Jose was going to respond, and, and and they really did. I mean, you've been through games games like that. What were your impressions? I thought the Oilers had a ton of adre- uh, energy, adrenaline. The fans were into it right from the start. And, you know, you skate out there, you've got goosebumps and over and above what you have. And, you know, they came out. I think they were a little bit nervous early in the first five minutes. They calmed down. They got their legs going. Um, you know, they're hitting everything. And then they got those two goals. Um, but, you know, San Jose's a good team. Um, they, what, they were in the playoff, the Stanley Cup playoffs last year. They went to the finals last year. They led the division for 80% of the, <laughs> the year. So you can't expect San Jose just to kind of bow out quietly. Like, they're a good hockey team. And they're experiencing the playoffs. And that's what showed. Is this, I mean, obviously, this is the most physical team we've seen from the Oilers in, in in a long long time oh absolutely I was I sat on my couch and I watched all those hits and I just kind of I was enjoying it Cassian running guys and Lucic and you know um, Nurse and even DeHarnay was hitting guys it was it was exciting to watch well I mean you've you've been out there you would have been in those battles and you don't make the NHL unless you can re- respond to that you know I work with Rob Brown and he always says yeah you know guys in the NHL they don't actually get intimidated but what what effect can it have out there? Well, you know, as a defenseman, particularly because I know that position, when you're skating back for puck and you get hit every single time, you don't want to go back for the puck anymore. You're like, okay, well, just somebody else go get this puck because I'm tired of getting hit. And, you know, it kind of plays on your mind a little bit. You're hearing footsteps and you slow up a little bit. So then now, you know, those fours, the other team, are getting to the pucks first and now you're chasing them. You've been watching the Oilers all season long and you've seen them go through the, the tough times as well. And I, I was I was joking with Steve Stales in the last half hour. Like the the text line is either this, this series is over, San Jose is too good, to well calm down. The Oilers have bounced back before. 
you know, where where are you? I mean, look, it was the last 30, however, pick a time, 35, 30, 38 minutes were obviously tough. I mean, the Oilers had nine shots over the last two periods in overtime. But where are you at with their ability to, to bounce back and counteract what, what San Jose wound up doing? The Oilers have proven that they're a resilient team. They've bounced back all year, and I wouldn't expect anything less. I, I think this series can go uh, either six or seven. Uh, you've got two great teams that are going to be slugging it out, and it's going to be exciting exciting hockey, and I just can't wait to kind of sit back and watch it unfold because, you know, playoff hockey the first time in 11 years is fantastic, and, you know, I think we should all just kind of enjoy it and, <laughs> and see where it goes from there. Sean Bell joining us in studio inside sports on 630. Chet, former NHL defenseman, now a coaching with the with the Nadukes, and we'll talk about uh, a, an interesting ACAC final. I know it didn't end the way the way you guys wanted when you saw the Oilers' defense coming together, I mean, really over the last couple of years, Sekera, Larson, um, Russell, Benning added. Greib has actually technically been signed twice by by, <laughs> uh, by Peter Shirelli. I mean, Clefbaum and, and Nurse were the only guys who were who were kind of here. Um, you know, there wasn't a sexy signing. They didn't go out and trade for for Shattenkirk or or you know try and trade for Burns before he signed the contract or anything like that. Having played the position, where were you, you know, thinking how they could defend when you saw, you know, the Larsons and the Russells, Russells of the world coming well, in? I like the signings. Uh, you know, every player that they brought in got it done. Um, whether Russell was in Calgary, uh, Larson was in New Jersey, these guys have always been good defensemen. You know, they're minute munchers, they block shots, they hit. Um, you know, they make it hard for the other team to get to the net and to find ways to score. And, you know, for the Oilers, that's what they needed. They've got guys that can move the puck. That's never been a secret, mm-hmm. right? But could they defend was always a question. And now they've got guys that can defend, and now they're winning games. Uh, just a couple of texts, 6.30, 6.30. Uh, actually, this texter is, says, I think Edmonton got a little more fired up than normal with that crazy atmosphere. A couple of quick goals led to a bit of an adrenaline dump, and the Sharks took advantage. The team will be a lot better tomorrow with that one out of the way, in my opinion. You, you, you sort of you said that. And, and Rob and I talked about that. Did it, did it almost start too well? For them, I, I think mean, you hate did. to say I, that a but. little bit. Yeah, I, I think a little bit. It started too well. Um, you know, you got those goals, and now you're pumped up, and you know you're trying to go extra hard so you can maybe try to run away with the game a little bit. Um, you know, but they're going to bounce back tomorrow, and you know now they kind of understand the playoff atmosphere here in Edmonton. They understand the game and what sh- the Chicago, uh, San Jose is going to bring to the table. Um, you know, I think you're going to expect a better effort. Julie says, wow, hockey in Sweden sounds like an ABBA concert. I'm sorry, guys, have to go play over there. <laughs> I don't know if it's that bad. <laughs> ABBA's still big over there? <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> and uh, this texture, uh, going by the name of Zool, I hope I'm saying that right. Great interview, Reed. Good to hear Sean's voice on the radio. We went to school together. Dawn in school, class of 99-2000. That was a long time ago. Well, uh, I'm surprised you still remember me. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Sean, could you stick around to the bottom of the hour? Because I want to see what's going on with Nate and other things in your life, too. Absolutely. Sean Bell in studio, Inside Sports on Chet. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Alright, thanks for tuning in tonight. It's-
Inside Sports on 630 Chad, keeping an eye on NHL playoff action. 2-2, Maple Leafs and Capitals. 15 minutes left. The Leafs were up 2-0. Predators up 1-0 on Chicago. That's halfway through the game. Flames and Ducks still to come. And the Blue Jays continue to trail the Orioles 2-1. That game is now in the 8th. The Blue Jays are 1-7. Man, they are staring down a 1-8 start. We'll see if they can pull it out. My name is Reed Wilkins, joined in studio by Sean Bell, former NHL defenseman. He was talking about his time in uh, Europe. He's now coaching with the uh, Nate uh, Nate Ooks. How many years with, with Nate now? Uh, this is my first year. This was just your. This is just your first yeah. year. So last year was last year the undefeated team. Last year was the undefeated, and that season. was Gabinet. That was with Mike Gabinet, and he went to Nebraska Omaha. Omaha, yeah. And All right, now so he's now the head coach there. So Tim Fraggles, the head coach. Correct. You're on the staff. Uh, you guys went to the league final. I mean, it was a thrilling game, but unfortunately, I, and I, I have talked to the McEwen coach who, who won it, but didn't go your guys as well. Well, lucky, lucky for me, Bram is a buddy of mine. Uh, so you know, it's. I was happy for him. Uh, it was a tough way to lose. We were, you know, to give a long story short, we were up 3-1 with about nine minutes left in the game. Um, the wheels kind of fell off. We took a few bad penalties. Uh, the last one was with two minutes and 47 seconds left in the game. And, you know, they cashed in with about 57. And, you know, I think the guys were shelled and yeah. went to playoffs and or to overtime. And, that was all she wrote. Were you looking to get into into coaching, working with kids, or how did you? How were you I think approaching? My, I think my last year in Dusseldorf when I was in Germany there, um, you know, I definitely started to do a lot more video or to sit down with the coaches and watch more. Um, I've always been a guy that's you know on and off kind of like the video. I've had some coaches that love video, Kevin Constantine, for example. Um, I've had other coaches that don't like it with Rob Dom, and uh, you know, I just slowly slowly started to get into it I uh, was helping out with a PK a little bit mm-hmm. and I've just found that I really enjoy it and uh, I've always coached at Vimy Ridge so it's just kind of been a natural progression you know it, it's funny because I had Steve Steos on in the last half hour of the show and he's the, now the GM of the Hamilton Bulldogs in the Ontario Hockey League and I asked him about working with that age group uh, like are, now, are most of the Nate guys have they already played junior A or major junior, or do you have some eighteen-year-olds right out of no, high school? No, we've had most of our guys play junior A okay. or major junior. Uh, we have a few guys that come back from pro. Uh, we had Nelson Gadry this past season; he was in Quad City, uh, so he came back for the second half of the season. Um, Jordan Apt, actually, who was a defenseman, he was a five-year defenseman. He actually went and played in Norfolk at the, after our playoffs were done. You know, so we have some guys that. Uh, you know, either go to the East Coast or come back from the East Coast. So it's it's a pretty good league, and, you know, I think it's underrated uh, mm-hmm. within Alberta. So how have you found the the rhythm of the season? I mean, you played major junior, you're in the NHL, you're in Europe where it's you're playing a lot. It, you know, college, university athletics, it's you usually play on Friday and Saturday, right? And then you might not play in December. How did you find that as as a coach dealing with that rhythm? Well, we had a very odd year. Um, you know, in December, because Keanu dropped out, mm-hmm. uh, we had an extra bye week. So our our bye week this year fell was like on the last game, uh, last part of the semester, and then the week before that we had a bye because Keanu dropped out. Oh, geez. So in December we ended up having six weeks off. Um, you know, so that really set us back quite a bit. But, you know, you're like you said, we play Friday, Saturdays. We try to practice three to four times a week. Um, for me, it wasn't a big transition because I played in Europe, and that's the exact same model that they have. But for guys that are coming out of junior where they play 72 games, uh, they play 60 games, depending on what league you're in, uh, it's an adjustment uh, trying to balance school as well as uh, hockey. 
I mean, do you try to communicate anything just because, you know, you were a first-round pick and, and, and you went through a lot of the ups and downs? Is it, you know, that you try to relate to the to the players in any way? Or? Yeah, I try to as much as possible. Um, you know, it, it's, it's different. At the league that we're in, there's some guys that want to continue their path and maybe try to play professionally um, and just take a different route. And then there's some guys that, you know, are ready to, to finish school and then move on with their career. So it's a different... It's a different aspect. It's a different uh, life. I'll <laughs> tell you uh, why we're laughing in a second. <laughs> and, uh, um, so I, I, as the guys that want to move on, I, I try to tell them what uh, you know I've done and what I don't do anymore and, and just kind of go that way. We got an email from a young man named Gene who says, Say hi to Sean. I used to cover Nate Hockey in 85-86 when Perry Pern was the coach. Gene Principe sending oh, that, that email in. <laughs> and I also want to welcome to the show former uh, Eskimo, former defensive back in the CFL, and now doing a lot of great work. And was it uh, Strathcona High? Yeah, that's where I played high school, yeah, football. And uh, Edmonton Huskies Jr.? Yes, yeah. J.R. LaRose is in studio. J.R., thanks for coming in. Oh, thanks for having now, me. Now, how do you and Sean know each other? Because you guys, you, this is, seriously, everybody, I did not know they knew each other, and I booked one for 7 o'clock and one for 7.30 tonight. So it, how do you guys know This is a great reunion. Well, me and Sean <laughs> go back from, from Victory Christian School. Yeah. You know, we're, we're at school together. What grade were we in? I think it was like eight. Yeah, grade eight. Yeah, yeah. great. I got kicked out of grade nine, so that's yeah. I, I was only there for one year. <laughs> <laughs> I blame my mom for that yeah, yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. Or as uh, or some guys always say, grade nine, the best three years of my life, right? Yeah, yeah. something. Yeah, something. So who who was who was so you're 13, 14, Who was the better athlete? Oh, Sean was. I remember we used to wrestle. And Sean used to beat me up with my own arms. <laughs> like, Sean was a freak in school. Like, he was just, he was so much bigger than everybody. But, uh, you know, it is so cool to see. And, I mean, we were at the same school. It was a private school. It was a very small school. But to see Sean get drafted in, into the NHL and, and uh, myself to, to go pro, was, it was pretty cool. It was something pretty special. So were you, because J.R. like football is a different experience than hockey in this country. Maybe not as much as it used to be. But when did you start playing playing football because I assume I, I, Sean's hockey career was already off and running. Yeah, I started playing when I was uh, 15 years old. Yeah, I played for the local team called the Edmonton Chargers. Yeah, so that okay. was my first year. So what were you doing sports-wise when you were in your earlier teens? I wasn't doing anything. I wish <laughs> I wanted to play hockey. Yeah, I, you know what? I love. I honestly love hockey more than I do football. But we just couldn't afford it when I was a kid. And um, yeah, I, I till this day I still love hockey. Like I was at the Oilers game last night. Had a great time. Oh, we got to talk about that. Now, did you you used to beat him up with his own arm, Sean? I never did that. I, I don't know if he remembers that, we but I remember buddy. we, we were, were good buddies. Oh. We always hung out. We never did that <laughs> yeah. stuff. You know. <laughs> Sean looks about the same, maybe a little bit smaller right now, but he was huge. Just whipped. I remember just being jacked. I was like, man. <laughs> There's something in the water. Yeah, no yeah, something, yeah, I don't know what it was. I wasn't getting the same type of protein he was getting, obviously. Uh, you guys, gonna, Sean, can you stick around as well? <laughs> just because JR's here, yeah. you guys are going to have a lot of fun. We're in studio with JR LaRose and Sean Bell. Uh, Leafs and Capitals still tied 2-2. 11 minutes left. We're going to have another fun half hour coming up. It's Inside Sports on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. This is Carmen McDavid. This is Cam Talbot. And this is your exclusive home for the Stanley Cup playoffs. Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.
this is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chat. All right, Mark Letestu, one of the uh, players you heard from on the Oilers tonight. They're looking to keep their shifts shorter tomorrow against the San Jose Sharks. Obviously, the Oilers badly outplayed after the first period. Had a chance in overtime, but the Sharks get it done 3-2, your final. Overtime looming in Washington, 2-2 Toronto and the Capitals with seven minutes left. Well, sometimes things work out. Had Sean Bell booked for 7-7.30, to he's sticking around because his old schoolmate, J.R. LaRose in studio as well. So Sean, former NHL defenseman, J.R., former uh, CFL defensive back with uh, Edmonton and B.C. You didn't land with the third team, did you? It was those no, two? No, no, just those two, yeah. Those two. So uh, Sean's now uh, co- coaching at Nate. J.R., what are you up to these days? Now I get to um, motivational speaker. So I travel across Canada, United States, um, sharing my, my life story. I'm also a spokesperson for any violence against women, um, something that's really I'm extremely passionate about, and that's basically raising awareness on on the topic of violence against women and getting men to stand with women on these issues and um, and not against them. So so that's what I'm doing now that I'm done done playing football. Now how how do you get involved with that? How does that spark come where you feel you got to get involved with the, great causes? But where did that come from? You know, for me, it started at at home. You know, I'd seen um, my mom at a young age being being abused. You know, by the men in her life and and even my sister. So when the program was brought to us in 2011 by um, the Any Violence Association of BC, um, it was an absolute no brainer because for me, it was something I never talked about as a kid. You know, it's something I was so ashamed to 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 let out or have other people know about that that you know my family had gone through such things like this. But as I started doing my speaking and I realized that I wasn't alone. I'm not the only person that had experienced um, seeing or witnessing my mom being abused. Um, I'd have people when I started to open up and share. I had people saying like, "Thank thank you for sharing." You know, my I've I've seen one of my family members. I see my mom. I see my sister being abused, and that's what it's all about. Is we need to be able to to create um, an open discussion about it because if we were if we want any type of change we need people to to speak up you know silence condones you know violence and we need people to speak up about it because it's everyone's affected by it i mean i'm sure tons of people know someone that's been um affected by abuse is it are people more willing to listen when it comes from a pro athlete or they're more willing to say well wow if a guy in a macho sport like football can talk about it then i can talk about it does that happen yeah it definitely does i think as athletes we're given this platform where we're able to use our use our voice where we can go in and and people will tell you know tell a school or tell a community that you know so this athlete's coming to speak and people won't come, want to come and hear what he has to say so automatically we have that their attention we have that platform where people want to want to come and listen Sean, have you found that uh, too? That people want, you know, that the. I mean, whether you're involved with a cause like that or not, that your words carry a little more weight as a guy who played. Yeah, people are willing to listen a lot, uh, a lot quicker. Um, you know, whatever you know, campaign it is that we do at school, teams and people are always looking at it, and you know, they're liking it, uh, they're sharing it on social media, and you know, like Jr. just said, like being an athlete people it carries a little bit of weight and, and more people do I definitely want to hear about it yeah JR what kind of motivational speaking d- do you do because I, I know we were talking a few months ago and I think I can't remember were you in the, the was it Northwest Territories or something but you were traveling around yeah I was yeah I've been I can't remember where where I was last time when we talked it's been <laughs> honestly go 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 um, but uh, your question is like what, what am I talking about yeah or, for me it's, it's it's sharing my life story you know it was someone that um, 
I've come, I've had to overcome a lot of obstacles. You know, my mother was someone that struggled with 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 addictions. You know, my whole majority of my family had struggled with it. You know, as a kid, I was a kid that was you know that was abused. So I talk, I talk about that. And the biggest thing um, that I try and leave is I try and instill hope in youth because so many people have gone through what I've went through. And if I could um, instill in that that there's light at the end of the tunnel. But also one of the main messages that I try to portray is that. Um, don't allow your situation to become your excuse in life, you know, because so it's so easy for us to make excuses on why we can't do this or why we can't be that in life. Because, you know, maybe we're not, we might not have the support system. We might not have this or that at home. If you want something bad enough, you'll do whatever it takes. You know, you won't um, accept an excuse as, as, as an answer. Okay, but where did that come from for you because obviously you know we when we mentioned you started playing football uh when you were what 15 yep. and and you play for a successful high school team successful junior team you play several seasons in the cfl where did that come from for you where you said okay i'm not going to accept you know my mom's had a tough life and and there's been some abuse that i've witnessed especially as a teenager it's easy to say well i got 70 more bad years in front of me so it's going to be miserable and maybe kids fall into you know bad bad situations where did it come from for you that that focus to be the best football player you could be you know for me it was i didn't want to become another product of my environment you know i wanted to break that cycle um i didn't i knew at a young age um one day i was going to grow up and i was going to have kids and i didn't want my kids to go through the same thing that i went through and that was really my motive um determining factor um and also growing up with not knowing my father you know, that was something that I hated that as a kid. Um, you know, I was taken in by a family when I was a teenager, but before that, that's something I really struggled with is not having, you know, not having a father present in my life. So I knew, I was like, you know what, I'm going to be, I'm going to always be present in my kids' lives. And, uh, you know, I'm married now. I have a beautiful wife and, and two handsome young boys at, at home back in Vancouver. But um, the thing for me was I needed to find something that I was passionate about. And football was that outlet. Football allowed me to, to get out my aggressions um, in a controlled, you know, in a controlled environment. Right, right. again, that's wrestling with Sean. Yeah, right. <laughs> is we all need to find something we're passionate about. You're like you're passionate about speaking uh, on air. This is this is what you love. You can tell this is what you love doing. And for me, that's pure. I loved hitting people. I got paid to hit people. You know, I played nine years of professional football. You know, and so now I get to share that experience with people. You know, of, of my life and. So. Okay, so this is interesting because you guys knew each other as teens, and Jr. Yeah. You're, you're, and we did an interview two or three years ago, and you opened up about some stuff too. Sean, when you guys were 14, 15, did you know this about Jr.'s background? Was he that he was comfortable sharing that in a, in a friendship even at that age? Yeah, at that age, I knew a little bit about it. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, not as in depth as right now, but uh, I definitely knew about it. And you know, we we were friends for a long time, and you know, we'd always talk about these kind of things. And uh, you know, I I'm absolutely proud of him uh, right now because it is something that needs to be um, talked about. It, it's uh, it's a tough issue because you like you said, everybody knows someone that has been abused and. Like I said, man, I'm I'm proud of you because it's it's fantastic that you're doing this. Well, Jr., was that tough for you to open up to your to your friends at that age? Because every, every teenage boy wants to be the best and have no problems, and he's yeah. The best, everyone wants to know? portray that everything yeah. is okay, right? Um, at a young age, I didn't really talk open too much. I mean, Sean was someone I felt comfortable with because I mean, we went to a school where there were no other mixed people. It was all. It was all white. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you feel almost like a, kind of an outsider. So I connected right away with Sean of someone being of, of, of color. And I was like, man, like, 
yeah, that's my bro. This is cool. This is another one of me here. Um, but I honestly never really started opening up, getting great, um, going into great um, detail or in depth of my story until I became probably a young adult. I heard um, Sheldon Kennedy talk about um, his abuse, and I was mm -hmm. like, you know what? I was so ashamed so many years, you know, when, when I'd gone through, when I was being abused as a child, it was, I bottled it all up, and I was like, I didn't want to talk about it. And then when I seen him stand up on stage um, and share his story, I was like, I need to get this out. And so I've never, I've never done any type of counseling for any type of stuff that I've gone through. Uh, my counseling is, uh, is, is speaking about it. You know, every time I share, I'm, it's, it's like healing for myself. And I know that I'm impacting so many other people at the same time. What age group do you usually speak to? Um, it ranges from anywhere from high school students, universities to, to adults. Really? Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sean Bell and J.R. LaRose joining us in studio. Sean, of course, a former NHL defenseman, played in Europe. J.R. LaRose, a former Eskimo defensive back, also won a great cup with the BC Lions. All right, I got, since I got you guys together, I, I got to ask you about injuries. And I'll, oh. I'll start with JR because he had one of the worst. Um, uh, you, had, you had one that uh, I was in the stands for, but I know people watching at home said uh, TSN actually refused to show it. I hate to do this, but it's my job, like you mentioned. Yep. <laughs> what, 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 was, what was the injury and, and the recovery that was involved? Yeah, so in 2008, we're playing, I remember we are playing against Winnipeg, snapped my leg. A guy hit me from the side. Uh, my leg was sticking out, hit it with his knee, snapped my tip and fib right in half, shattered the bone, poof, exploded on impact. And it was, um, I remember just like, just, I remember hearing that sound. It was just like breaking a stick, and it's and you could, you know, I got the reap. I asked TSN for the replay of it because I wanted to see it. And I remember you could hear it echo throughout the stadium when it happened. You could hear it pick up on those TSN mics. And, um, you know, that, <laughs> that was probably one of the hardest things to go through um, was snapping my leg in 2008. And just, I remember lying on the ground trying to wiggle my toes and I couldn't feel my toes and my foot's pointed the other direction. And it was, it was, I was freaking out, freaking out. And then um, I broke it again. Um, I remember uh, 2009, I got released by the Eskimos because I wasn't ready to play. Um, and then so I came to BC 2010, worked out for them. Second last game of the season, we're playing against the Eskimos. First play of the game, I snapped my leg again. Same spot? A, a little different spot, but I dislocated my ankle and I tore the tendons in my foot. And uh, that was like, come on, you've got to be kidding me. And one was a, Ed, was Edmonton was a special teams play. Yep, same. Was, was BC a special, special teams, teams play? Special teams kickoff. It was on kickoff. We kicked the ball off to him, and I was flying down the field. I hit one guy. Um, I, I stood up the lead, the lead blocker, and then one of my teammates fell behind me, trapped my leg down. The guy folded me back like a slice of bread. Break, dislocated. And then my that was God. that. And then I get this now. The year after, I come back. I recover from that leg, from the, from the leg injury, breaking it the second time. Um, last preseason game, 2011, I break my forearm. Out five weeks, but you came back and won the Great Cup that year. But hey, we sure did. But were you? I mean, were you, did you ever think this isn't worth it coming back, or did you ever think your career was over? I honestly thought my career was done. The second time I broke my leg, I was, yeah. there's no way I'm coming back. It was hell coming back the first time. You know, learning how learning how to walk again, that is one of the hardest things. Like I think we take that for granted, but learning how to to try and walk again, whew, that was tough. But then to be able to come back, I mean, I was running full speed again five months, five and a half months into my rehab after breaking my leg um, the second time. So it was, uh, but what a special year 2011 was. We started off 0-5 that year. That's right. To come back and turn things around. Finished, what, 11-7, and 7, I want to say? Beat the Eskimos in the West Final? 
Yeah, yeah. Beat Winnipeg did. at home to win the Grey Cup. Yeah, fifty-six thousand. I've fans. watched a few games. Yeah, you, you know what you're talking about, <laughs> Sean. Uh, I, this is I'm kind of doing a dark inter- part of the interview here, but are, are any any uh, any injuries that's well, nothing as bad as JR's. Like, <laughs> after can, here that's now, hard like, to match. I don't even that. want to talk about what I had. Like, for me, like <laughs> a broken pinky. Yeah, yeah. yeah like I, I <laughs> tore my nail. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, but uh, no, nothing that gruesome. Um, you know, I've had a couple. I've had four surgeries. Um, I tore my tricep three times, and I Oof, that's ripped tough. a piece of my bone off my elbow. Well, that's not oh, good. Now like, that floating. Not good. That's, yeah. <laughs> it's now some real injuries. There's some real injuries. It's now floating somewhere <laughs> in my tricep. Um, I, uh, you know, my last knee surgery, um, I had to get another 10% of my lateral meniscus out. So when I was playing in Sweden, um, I tore my lateral meniscus, 50% of it taken out. They forced me back on the ice after seven days and I was bag skating after 10, 10 days. So if you asked any doctor right now, they'd probably say that's a terrible idea. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I, I've, got, I've got pictures of vials that they took out of a uh, fluid out of my knee. Uh, so I was back on, I came back here and I was kind of just finished on painkillers and tape, um, just holding me together. And, uh, the next year I signed in, in Zagreb in the KHL and, uh, I fell on my knee and it just swelled up again and they sent me home and I got an MRI and the guy said I might need microfracture surgery on my knee. Uh, I never ended up getting it, but they, like I said, they took the 10% out and now it's just all bone on bone and. It's grinding every day, so I know we were talking a little bit before off 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 air here, and Jr. was saying that anytime it gets cold, it kind of affects you a little bit, and that's exactly how it is. So you guys have day to day pain sometimes, yeah, just yeah. lingering. Yeah. If I sit on, if I sit with my knee bent for too long, you know it locks up, it pops, it grinds, and it's sore and. It's just... But kids, keep pursuing yeah, those dreams. Yeah, this is new inside sports. You want to be a professional just, athlete. Just a piece of meat. It's, it's all glory, trust me. Yeah. Oh. 747, back with Sean Bell and Jerry LaRose. This is Oscar Clefbaum from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to the Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Shad. Oscar Clefbaum scoring the Oilers' first playoff goal since 2006 last night, but the Oilers lose 3-2 in overtime. More coverage on the team and a uh, Wayne Gretzky interview with Bob Stoffer all on 630Ched.com slash Oilers. My name is Reed Wilkins. Pleased to be joined unexpectedly together in studio by uh, former Oilers defenseman, Sean Bell, former Eskimos defensive back J.R. LaRose. J.R., you were uh, you mentioned earlier, despite your football career, you're a bigger hockey fan than football fan. Yes, I was. Now, yeah. you're, you grew up in Edmonton. You live in Vancouver now. So yeah. who's your team? Oh, Oilers. Still Oilers. Oh, I could never cheer for the Canucks. Never, ever, ever. I go to the games, and I'm always cheering for the opposite team. <laughs> I am a loyal Oilers fan. You were, you went last night. Oh yeah, I went last night. First I, time in Rogers Place or for, not? Yeah, it was my first time. What did you think? Oh, what an amazing atmosphere. I mean, it was a tough outcome, but it was that house was rocking. It was unreal. Like it was, it brought me back. Just like man, like I, I can't even imagine what the guys are going through right now. You know, right before they run out of the the tunnel onto the ice or whatever, whatever they run out of, out of the locker room. I don't know what the, the hockey terms are, but <laughs> dressing room. <laughs> but it whatever. was, it was. I felt like a big kid. It was great to be a fan. Like I loved it. Did you wear orange? Oh, I, I wore blue. 
See, I'm a bigger guy now, so wearing orange for me just it wasn't a good look. Darker <laughs> colors yeah, yeah. are slimming. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a good look. There we go. So I, so I wore a blue shirt. <laughs> I wore a blue uh, luchid shirt. <laughs> well, you played for the Lions. They're orange. But I was so. in shape when I was playing with the Lions. Right. It's a difference. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in shapes now. <laughs> well, how, how tall are you guys? Uh, I'm 6'1". I'm 6'2". All right. And what, uh, what was your playing weight, JR? Um, uh, I won't ask you, Sean. Don't worry. I came in at uh, my last year. I played about two fifteen, two twenty. All right. And when I came in the league, I was like one ninety seven. I just oh really? Wow. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. yeah, now we won't even talk about now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Now I ran, I'm enjoying life. I ran into uh, an f- old friend, Grant McNeil. He's uh, he's working at um, Waterloo Ford, and we were just kind of laughing about all the guys that we've seen that have packed on the weight in the last two years, <laughs> and we just laugh about it. We're like, it happens to everybody. And yeah. I talked to Matt Cassian too, and he just jokes about it. He's, he's saying that his wife's all over him now, try to get in the gym, and he doesn't want any part of it. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, by the way, is that Ryan Kessler showing up in orange pants? I think it was. He's got orange pants for the uh, Ducks-Flames games coming up tonight. Man, there's an interesting look. All right, so uh, you guys are, are big hockey fans. Um, Sean, I'll start with you. What, what, do you. what do you expect tomorrow? I expect the Oilers to come out, play their game. Um, you know, it's going to be a tight-checking game again, hard-hitting, physical uh, it's going to be fast like it was last night, but I, I think the Oilers are going to respond and they're going to win. JR, you've been watching, obviously. Yeah, I've been watching. Um, they, they, they've got to finish. they got definitely got to finish the checks. And, and hustle to the puck, I think that's, you know, I don't know a whole lot about hockey, but I could tell that's San Jose was doing it. And you could tell they're a veteran team. And uh, we look like the younger team last night. So um, they just got to rise to the occasion. Come flying, play three periods. You know, someone texted in that the uh, Leafs are doing what the Oilers didn't do, get someone to the net and throw it at the net. Fair comment, but you have to have the puck first. That's true. <laughs> and that, that, that was the problem. True. San Jose just was winning all the puck battles. And I thought and I thought the Oilers, you know, they've been pretty calm most of the year. That They lost a little bit of that calmness. Rob and I were talking last night, you know, hope plays. Or, oh, I, my... My buddy should be over there, so I'll just put the puck over there and let someone else deal with it. Yeah, it's completely different in the playoffs. Like, those hope plays do not work. In the regular season, yeah, the hope plays, you might get them. And against but bad in playoffs, teams. Exactly. Yeah. But in playoffs, it everything tightens up. You know, teams prey on those little mistakes. And if, you know, that, like we saw yesterday, those little mistakes, they end up in the back of your net and they cost you momentum. Uh, JR, I should ask you, do you still watch the CFL? Watch the Eskimos, or is that you don't uh, have yeah. the time? No, I do, I do. I still watch. Uh, I still enjoy going to the games and stuff like that. So yeah, who's uh, who's the who's a guy you like watching now? Um, Darius Bowman. The, I really like. He's uh, he's a competitor. I mean, I've I remember I hit him a few times so hard, and he just he gets back up. He's, Does he laugh? Because he's always laughing. He's. I don't know if he was laughing. I would suck if he was if I hit him and he started laughing. I can't remember. It's a couple years now that I've been retired. But, uh, That'd be Jim Vandermeer-esque. Yeah, yeah, I, I love watching him and Riley. Those are probably my two favorite guys. I mean, I played with Riley in BC before he came to Edmonton. Did you and, know he was going to be good? Oh, I knew. Oh, I knew we were losing a great player right off the bat. Like, we, we, he'd compete. He'd be a scout quarterback, and he would light it up. He would light it up, and so I knew. And he, his swagger and confidence is top-notch. I love it. Guys, I wish we had another hour, but we got to hand the uh, station over to somebody else. Thanks so much for coming in. Thanks awesome. for having Thank us. You. Sean Bell, now with the Nate Ooks as an assistant coach. J.R. LaRose, uh, great CFL career, now doing motivational speaking, doing outstanding stuff. Great to have them in studio. You also heard from Steve Steos tonight. Kellen Kennedy has been our studio producer. The producer of the show is Dave Campbell. The Leafs and the Capitals are going to overtime tied 2-2. 
Still 1-0 Nashville over Chicago. They're into the third. Flames and Ducks later. Tomorrow at 6 o'clock, face-off show. And then 8.30 for the play-by-play. Game 2, Oilers and Sharks. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening to Inside Sports. Have a great Easter. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.